Welcome, everybody, to episode 89 of the Metabolist 2 podcast with me, Ben. And David. And uh, what are we conversing about tonight, David? Chris Chibnall, in his infinite wisdom, has deemed that the doctor's companions, to use a traditional nomenclature, are now her friends. And just what is a friend to the doctor? What does that what does that mean? So I thought we'd just kind of delve into our thoughts on why the ch- friendship. Yeah, well, or why the change. Why the change, that's true. Mm-hmm. An interesting an interesting conundrum. Um here's something that I've got a question for you. Okay. A follow up question. Can an immortal space being have human friends, do you think? Hmm. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a similar question. Or even inhuman friends. Hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I kind of think of it as a similar question to can uh, straight males and females have a friendship that isn't sexual? Oh, yes. You know, it's um, the same type true. of question. So, <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you presenting females as like interdimensional space beings? Well, they have been in my experience. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm just saying uh, that friendship is what two people decide it to be, I think, rather true. than okay. what is uh, perhaps uh, placed on it from external pressures. That is, that's, that, that's very true. I mean, I think... Um, and, you yeah. know, the, I guess Missy thought of the companions as the doctor's pets. And I think you can... So that touches on that interspecies relationships and right. people can have friends that are pets you know it's not the same as a friend as a person but there is a familiar or a, f- a friendly relationship and you and dogs you know are man's best friend uh, that's true i always thought though when they said dogs man's best friend that's kind of a slam against humans i always <laughs> felt it's like well if you need a friend in this town get a dog kind of thing it's like um and I, I i really can't stand dogs so um anyone who knows me well knows that so i i would hate to have a dog as a friend however a friend i would like to have who is a dog would be a dog that's a robot oh, like canine exactly yes well I, actually you know what i mean i think one of the things about doctor who is that it's clear that when the actors get on well together mm-hmm. the, the the characters get on well together Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a matter of record that John Leeson and Tom Baker, uh, maybe not, I, I think it's actually probably very hard to be friends with Tom Baker, but mm-hmm. um, I think Leeson was certainly one of the actors with whom Baker felt very friendly towards. And I right. think that comes across in the performances, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, uh, you know, the, the apocryphal, well, not apocryphal, but I haven't seen really, really seen pictures of them, but, you know, Leeson running around on all fours. Right. Um, you know, with oh, a paper he, yeah. bag over his head and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he've said that many, many a time, and so I did said, yes, Tom. It, so no, it's, whether it's, or not it, there's photographic evidence, they both it certainly happened, corroborate exactly, each yeah. other's story yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I, th- I, think, I think where the actors are friendly, then the friendship, I, th- I think, comes through in the characters. And I think that's how Nicola Bryant and Colin Baker worked through their characters' uh, antagonism because they, they became friends on, on set. 
And even though Sayward and other writers, you know, Sayward was directing his writers to have an antagonistic relationship between the doctor and companion, the two of them would take those lines and make it more playful, more like friends teasing each other, and again, becoming a more friendly relationship rather than that antagonistic uh, relationship that uh, was written for them. Which, again, I have the accounts for some of the extreme dissonance in, you know, in some of those... uh uh, uh, six Doctor stories because you you really it's it's actors re- actors reading lines that mean one thing <laughs> right. in a way that means another right. which which you know I think it, it really kind of accounts for some of the as I said some of the dissonance in that mm-hmm. um, in those performances I mean it right. seems to me I mean Colin Baker's a super friendly chap. Yeah. Um, unless unless you get on the unless you get on his bad side, in which case he he, he does like to hold a grudge, as I understand. Well, if um, you do insist on ranking all his stories at the bottom of any any the, maybe fan wide poll, it's the worst stories ever. I think eventually he's going to get pissed off, isn't he? Eventually, yeah, maybe it'll not take the him a while. First time, right? <laughs> the first time is oh well, maybe it's just a fluke. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a fluke. Maybe next time my stories will be ranked near the top. Mm-hmm. But sadly, no. Yes. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, I was thinking just how the story, the Doctor Who adventure began with mm. Hartnell not really having, the Hartnell Doctor not really having friends at all. He, no. he had his granddaughter, and um, sure, he was friendly in a crotchety, grandfatherly, protective way, but he didn't have friends. He was, he was alone. And yeah. throughout much, I think, of the early, early part. Which, again, I mean, without, you know, I mean, you know, I, I don't know William Hartnell. I've never right. met him, um, et cetera, et cetera. But one gets the impression that he probably didn't have a lot of friends in real life. A bit prickly. Yeah, a bit prickly. And, I mean, that famous interview, well, I guess he was sick, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that the, that interview backstage, it's on one of the DVDs. Oh, when he's right. Backst- After he had been fired from... After a- he'd been fired. And obviously yeah. he was in a bad mood and he's in a pantomime and he's still in a bad mood. Mm-hmm. But he does come across as being like, oh, yes, well, you really have to kind of get close to this person to actually become friends with them and maybe you don't really want to. So Ian and Barbara began as hostages. And so yeah. is it... Uh, <sighs> Stockholm syndrome because <laughs> you know he's their he's their ticket back home to London 1965. Hashtag London 1965. I mean, I think you know. I mean, there's there's conventions of sort of you know children's adventure serial that Doctor Who has certainly in those in well actually all the way through, but you know certainly in those in those early days. I mean, yes, they are kind of hostages, but mm-hmm. you know they also have to be functioning characters as well, so they can't always right. they can't always be Perry basically. Um, <laughs> they can't always be kind of moping around, weeping, saying like, ah, I I've been abused. Take me back to right. my planet. So they have to kind of enjoy. But I mean, it, it is it is it is a um. Um, I mean, they are definitely friends. I mean, right. obviously, you know, and Barbara I think, you know, and uh, Ian. B- B- Barbara and Ian, and I think I think you know, obviously, a lot of fans want them to be um, in a relationship as well, mm-hmm. as do I, to be honest, because they're awesome. Well, um, didn't, didn't RTD put them in a relationship in one of the Sarah Jane adventures? Yeah, what are they? Something they're on the moon, or they? I don't know. No, they, they they're. Uh, I think they're faculty members at one of the Oxbridge colleges and never right. age I, I don't remember all, it was all souls they're, it was fe- the, they're fellows of all souls <laughs> that could be yeah um yeah uh, but then it goes then you throw into the mix um susan mm-hmm. who again i mean you know she's there as a audience identification figure in some sort of way and i think it, it is interesting if you compare 
teachers in general and in you know it's convention of kind of children's adventure drama is that you know the people that you look up to the people who you you look after you your teachers um you know you're a kid or a child more accurately and you're traveling with a weird old man (laughs) and weird old man definitely he is and he definitely he was he was the question at the beginning of the series who is this who yeah. Doctor Who? Who is this man? Doctor Who? Doctor Who? the hell is this Doctor right. Who? Exactly. Yeah. Right. Which is where you get the title of the show. Yep. And yeah. it's the question that never, never really can be answered within the confines in the show. And each, unless you're Stephen Moffat. Well, even Stephen Moffat skirted around it. He yeah, told he the Doctor's name only to River Song, who whispers it. And I wonder if. Uh, uh, Stephen Moffat thinks Doctor Who's name is Stephen. Doctor Who's name is Stephen Moffat. <laughs> it's Moffat Stephen. Uh, something like that. I don't something know. Like that, yeah. <laughs> but going back to Chibnall and just my comment about male and female relationships, and that's it's been in the news lately that oh, I think some men say they can't be, or I think it, it's it's around like the Mike Pence thing. You can't be alone in a room with a woman because they're right, right. Uh, temptress or something, you know, like that. The men and women can't be friends outside of a, uh, a romantic or a sexual type relationship. But then we have Chibnall moving um, companion or assistance, which is more of a Trout and Pertwee era term, to a full-out friends and then further underscoring no hanky-panky in the TARDIS, which is no yeah. going back to JNT. Yeah, yeah, which is good. I mean, you know, I am firmly of the belief that men and women can be friends without mm-hmm. having to have sex with each other. <laughs> I think it's silly to imagine that that cannot be the case, to be right. honest. Agree. Um, <laughs> I think everyone knows my opinion of hanky-panky in the TARDIS. I don't think it's... I don't think it's useful. I mean, because because I mean the thing about the the thing about the the kind of sexual relationship thing between the doctor and a, a companion is that it's a developmental thing. You know, it requires the characters to have some kind of development. Which mm-hmm. you know, and the thing about I think Doctor Who and the thing about the show is that the main character essentially doesn't really change that much. Right. Which is fine because he's an immortal time wizard from the edge of space mm-hmm. um so the fact that his character really doesn't change that his or her character really doesn't change that much in fact he doesn't really have a sex i'm only using he because i'm you know i'm a, I'm, I'm a sexist myself but you know <laughs> they don't really have a character they don't really have a character mm. yeah and it's true and i'm just what i'm wondering mm. is was there a sexual tension in the doctor companion doctor friend relationship prior to the revival no i don't think there was yeah i would i would concur with that i think that is something that rtd brought in maybe from his background in soaps or what yep. he's interested in that Definitely. it was the that when the show was rebooted in what 2005 that it became much more soapy and we had we had the whole Rose relationship with Mickey, which Mickey was very jealous of the Eccleston doctor. Right. But right. then when Eccleston regenerated in Tenant Doctor, we had a full-on uh, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with Rose and Ten. Right, exactly. Which, again, as you said, it's his total. It's down to RTD's writing interests. And, you know, he's a showrunner. I mean, he can write the show how he wants. Right. But, you know, he he does have to wiggle around a bit to get the whole... 
the Rose and the Tenth Doctor relationship to function, and then the Martha having a crush on the Doctor uh, mm-hmm. relationship thing to function. I think the most successful Ten relationship is the Tenant Doctor and Donna. Mm-hmm. Um, they're clearly good friends. I mean, right. obviously they, they start out a little bit antagonistic, but that's right. often how good friends start. Um, and they are clearly great friends by the end, which is, again, you know, adds a lot of pathos to the, mm-hmm. the kind of Donna having a mind wiped or whatever the, the plot thing was, if she remembers the Doctor, her mind explodes, right. something like that. And, uh, but again, you see, you go back to the thing that David Tennant and Catherine Tate are really good friends right. in real life. Right, right. And that shows in just their performance and then yep. carrying on into their big finish work. And then just on and off the set, but then on on stage working together. So they have this professional friendship that works really well. And that chemistry then carries on on onto the screen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So like the doc, like, you know, like Baker and Leeson. Um, unlike, you know, perhaps Baker and um, Jameson. And, and Jameson or Baker and Lala Ward, you know, right. who the, they, there was an actual romantic-ish sort of, I mean, I think they were both fooling each other, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was some kind of relationship. Well there, was a, well, there was a relationship going on there that didn't really work out that well, right. which becomes really kind of obvious once you know about it and just kind of look at, you watch their body language on screen. Right. And so that relationship between Tom Baker and Lala Ward is is interesting in that I think Tom was probably going through uh, as par as par for Tom going through some identity crisis and then with the show winding down or his tenure on this show at some point he kind of felt like is this it is this all I'm going to be able to do and right right and he had threatened to quit multiple times before but the BBC either came up with more money or producer begged him to stay or something like that and then J&T in effect called his bluff or that was his goal anyways to get rid of Tom right and so I'm wondering if you know what you know neither of them have really spoken out about it but that that uh, it seems like it, it, it's a it's a wedding out of crisis or a relationship out of a crisis time for Tom Baker and I, you know I'm not sure you know Lala obviously saw something in him um, for what I mean he's, you know, he's a very, or he's, something you know he's a very charismatic and bohemian fellow mm-hmm. you know and she was a young girl um, who came from another kind of very bohemian background you're an mm-hmm. upper class bohemian background rather than a, a, a uh, uh, I guess working class bohemian background, right. which is where which is where Tom came from. So you know you can imagine them clicking. Right. Um, you know I'm sure she adored his tales of the the Colony Club and Francis Bacon and you know <laughs> right. Peter O'Toole and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you can you can see why it happened definitely. So the other interesting thing, it's always the age difference between the Doctor and the companion. So the Doctor is supposed to be hundreds or if not thousands of years old, and then. Uh, his companions are usually twenty-something uh, young women, so you have the uh, May to December type bit that raises some eyebrows, I would guess. Yeah, which I think was why it works better if there isn't a relationship going right. on, right? Right. Because right. then you know you don't you you don't kind of raise the uh, excuse me the eyebrows because um, yeah, you know he's a he's a space wizard who's a thousand years old, so of course there isn't. Doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to have a relationship with anybody who who is who only lives for less than a hundred years. Doesn't make any sense at all. So I, I wonder if that's kind of unfair though to the Whitaker Doctor, or a, kind of a, a a form of sexism because we had the romantic Doctor with Tennant and to some small part Smith, 
And then we have the first woman in the role, and, and pretty much the modern series, aside from perhaps Capaldi, the doctor and companion have had some kind of tension, sexual tension in that role on and off, depending on the companion. But then we have the first woman in the role, and Chibnall flat out says there's no hanky-panky in the TARDIS. So I, both you and I prefer that, but the, the timing seems to be perhaps a little off. It's certainly breaking the mold of the modern series. I would have to agree with you. I, I do agree. I agree. I agree. I think it is. I think the production team, and obviously, you know, I mean, you know, you got to give them their due. It's, it's quite difficult running, you know, running Doctor Who. Um, I'm not going to pretend that it isn't. But in this case, I really do think the production team are wanting to have their cake and also eat their cake at the same time <laughs> because, you know, they want the Doctor to be a woman. Right. But then they don't want the Doctor to be a woman, if you see what I mean. Right. Um, they don't want... You know, they, 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 they're when, when the doctor sexing her, perhaps? Exactly. When the Doctor is a man, the Doctor can be a man, i.e. he has desires that men have for always women um i mean i don't think there's, there's ever been i mean despite the famous gay agenda i don't think the the production team have ever kind of dared to imagine that the doctor might have feelings for a man but when the doctor is a woman it's no hanky-panky in the tardis there's no relationships we're all friends um i was reading something today actually to do with the, with the release of the new trailer and it was saying right. well this is going to be more of an, an, an ensemble show mm-hmm. um which again you know maybe a maybe a, a kind of a, a a throwback to the hartnell era where you know the the uh, ian and barbara <laughs> were part of an ensemble right. that you know did things together um and again as we've noticed you know uh the, the doctor really didn't have really kind of sexual feelings for anybody apart from by mistake when they they wrote some in during the Aztecs and they never <laughs> they ever did that again. They shared a little chocolate together. Exactly. They never did that again because <laughs> they realized, oh, this is kind of inappropriate right. or not doable. So, yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. I think, it's, I think, as I said, they're wanting to have their delicious creamy cake and also eat yeah. their delicious creamy cake. Yeah, we don't have a Joanna Lumley type role, I guess, with uh, no. Curse yeah, of the I, Fatal Death Doctor. Yeah, the Curse of the Fatal Death was a real... <laughs> Was a real yeah. Well, once you want, if you rewatch it, which I haven't done for a while, but I certainly remember it very clearly. It really does give you a lot of pointers to what happened in the Moffat era. Yeah, a lot of pointers. Yeah. Well, it's the it's the roadmap. <laughs> it is the roadmap. Yeah, he just rewrote that mm-hmm. several times. Yeah. And so I'm looking back at our kind of golden era of Pertwee and Tom Baker, and definitely Tom and Liz and Ian Martyr were friends, and it yes. showed on screen, and you had that camaraderie but i'm not sure that pertwee really was friends with his assistants because that's what i think he referred to him as yeah um he was pals with the guys in unit especially the brigadier yeah and i and again i mean i think you see this this amazing thing about doctor who is that how close the character the characters of the actors are to the the character itself. I mean, I, again, uh, well, you that's know, definitely I mean, true of the classic era. I would think definitely true of the classic era. And I think you know, Pertwee's very much a man's man, and he liked his gadgets, right? You know, and he liked Dolly Birds because it was the seventies, hmm. and you know, he liked driving around in fast cars and motorbikes and <laughs> going to Ibiza and you know, etc., etc., etc. And that's kind of what the Doctor's like, a little bit. Yeah, well, in, in a way, definitely during the uh, Pertwee era. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. During the the Poe era, but as I think we have pointed out on previous podcasts, 
the Pertwee era does include one of the most touching um, and uh, actually mm. touching of all, uh, including New Who, touching pieces of kind of relationship writing or actually probably more accurately relationship acting, which is uh, Joe Grant leaving to marry Dr. Jones mm-hmm. at the end of The Green Death. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, the Doctor definitely was impacted by that uh, change in relationship. You know, Joe would no longer be his assistant. And uh, throughout throughout the story, he was trying to prevent, I guess, the inevitable of uh, Miss Grant running away with uh, Professor Jones. Green Death's one of my one of my very favorite um, shows. You know, when I first watched it, you know, when I was like eight or nine, um, that completely went over my head. I I was so enthralled by the giant maggots uh, <laughs> and flies and, and, and like and why wouldn't you be <laughs> and glowing green goo and like right. just ever all the awesome things that were happening in the show. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that at all, and it it just it, it speaks to the subtlety of the show. And the subtlety of the writing that watching it again, as I have several times now that I'm an adult, it comes out really well, but it comes out really subtly. And there isn't, you know, mm-hmm. as much as I do like RTD's writing and I like RTD very much and I like his, his show very much, you know, sometimes his writing can be a little bit, little bit heavy handed mm-hmm. on, on the relationship angle. Yeah, I think along with Joe Grant, it's Barbara and Ian who have the next best send off. Other companions really, really aren't given much of a heave-ho. No, exactly not. No. And, I mean, I think uh, saying goodbye to Romana, the second Romana, Lala Ward, was okay. I did. They definitely gave her a maturing into the Time Lord, into the Doctor-type role throughout Season 18 and ending of Warrior's Gate. But... I don't think there was that emotion that was tied in with saying goodbye to Joe or even saying goodbye to Sarah Jane. I think there was a lot of a lot of things left unsaid in that final scenes in the hand of fear. Yes, no, that's that is again very true. I mean, I think we were, again us fans, well, us fans of a certain age make a lot of the relationship between the Fourth Doctor and Sarah Jane, but. That send off isn't isn't very good. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of perfunctory. It's uh, abrupt, <laughs> and it's super. It's kind of abrupt, and it's kind of unnecessary because then then the doctor spends a lot of time on Gallifrey with uh, basically any anyone that he cares to bring to Gallifrey can just be right. there. Um, so that's that's not true, and um, that uh, the end of that relationship is really is really not conveyed very well. It's more of a function of the show rather than developing character and that's always been the knock i think against much of the classic series especially coming from maybe contemporary fandom Mm -hmm. who come aboard sometime in the last 13 years is that it isn't very character driven so then when we have a excellent moment like joe grant's departure from the show it really stands out yeah definitely definitely yeah Yeah. and we we get more type characterization, um, personality, and character development, not really until we see maybe Ace in the role in, in the Cartmel years. Yeah, though I, th- I always see Ace as being more of an assistant-y kind of role in that, you know, the Doctor is... The, the, the Ace is the Doctor's student. Um, right, the doctor, not, not, a, not the friend again. Not really a friend. She is the mm-hmm. Doctor's pupil. It's the Pygmalion 
uh, kind of thing. And his, you know, his job is to kind of help her grow to be, well, whatever the production team would have been a time lord. Well, planning for her to be, which I think was going yeah. to be a time lordess, a time mm-hmm. lady, um, mm-hmm. at some point. But I, again, if you read your Virgin New Adventures, uh, some kind of intergalactic assassin, I think she she ended up being. Um, so yeah, growing into something. Right. Um, which never really happened because, of course, they they pulled the plug before she grew. Right. Yeah. Like you had mentioned earlier, Donna is probably the best example of a friend kind of the, the classic line is uh, the doctor saying what he really needs is a mate. And then Donna going to mate. I'm not mate. I'm not with your you. mate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Space boy or something Space like that. Space boy, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> it's hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. then uh, we get the, uh, with the Matt Smith doctor, we have that really sexually charged scene at the end of uh, Flesh and Stone with Amy really coming on to the doctor in her bedroom, and that leads into the uh, Rory bachelor party s- scene in uh, Vampires of Venice. Right, right. But so that's, is that a risk that you have when you cast a young, young male actor in the role as the doctor? Matt Smith, I think, was the youngest at the time to ever play the role. Yeah, I, I, I think it must be because, I mean, again, you know, you don't, we don't really run into those similar kind of problems with um, problems, similar kind of writing needs with Peter Capaldi because, you know, he's an older man as, as right. and, and therefore like a, is also kind of de- is, is sort of desexualized in some sort mm-hmm. of way, or if he was sexual to a younger woman, it'd be kind of icky and creepy, and we wouldn't really right. want to know about it. You know, as much as I think Doctor Who wants to be kind of radical and different and um, uh, edgy uh, and edgy, or at least kind of reflect the changing mores of our time, it really kind of conforms to most things, like a mainstream TV show must really. I right. think in, in some ways. I wanted and ultimately to, yeah. that is what it is. You know? Yes, it's a mainstream TV show. It'll always, it, it'll only ever be mainstream, um, which is great, and which is which is fine. I've got no no problem with that at all. I was going to ask you about the about the heart, not about sorry about the Troughton years, because I know that that's one of your um, favorite ah, favorite yes, well, eras, um, w- where you have some very pally again mm-hmm. the the relationships between the actors right come out on the screen. You have a great friendship between uh, Pat Trout and Fraser Hines that extends or boils over or you know comes across on the screen between um, the doctor and Jamie. And so you have that friendship being played out and if you're if you're looking at contemporary day uh, uh, shippers, that relationship is always um, put together right uh, as a, right. Uh, the doctor's boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, I, I thankfully have not read it for that. <laughs> but they're always hugging each other and clinging to each other and right. joshing and joking. And where it falls apart, I think, is the teasing of all the female companions. And obviously, Jamie is pining after Victoria. Right. And to a lesser extent, I think... Uh, Zoe. Uh, Zoe. But looking at the uh, the friendship between the doctor and Jamie, I think that's one of the things that kept the show going on in the sixties. And what makes that era so fun for me to watch is just the playfulness and what Fraser Hines and Troughton slip in. Yeah. What the, the, like the, it's always stuff that you wouldn't catch 
in, in a cartoon version or a, a animated version yeah, or exactly. just in the dialogue because it's usually visual. And the classic one that people point to is going into the Cyberman tomb where they think they're taking Victoria by the hand, but they're actually grabbing each other's hand and walking in. And, and that type of playfulness I think that they worked really well and brought a level of humor and bits to the roles that you didn't get with the writing. Yeah, I mean, I think they're very much a double act. I've been watching because I, I, I'm very fond of, 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 of... I was very excited to see the the new trailer for the Stan and Ollie movie, mm. which, which dropped mm-hmm. this week with... Um, Steve Coogan, who I'm a huge fan of, um, and John C. Riley, Coogan as Stan Laurel and John C. Riley as um, as Oliver Hardy. So then, just thinking about you know Troughton and um, and and Hines, they're very much a comedy double act. You know, they're Another like fine Stan- mess you've gotten us into, James. Exactly, they're very much a kind of Stan and Ollie. Um, you know, black and white, right? You know, just out of the silent era mm-hmm. comedy duo, basically, and just mm-hmm. the the kind of business that they put together is is just really, it's just kind of fun. It, it's as you delightful. Said, it's, just, yeah. it's just fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a, here's another thought that came into my head. I mean, do we do we want to talk about the, the you know the friendship between the Delgado Master and the Third Doctor? You think there was a friendship there? Do you think they're friends? Well, frenemies. It's been, I think, established in the show, at least in the RTD era, that they were at school together and they were friends at the academy. Yeah. And I think they are friends. And I think the Missy and Capaldi relationship was very friendly, too, towards the end. So right. I, I, I think if, if anyone can be the doctor's friend, it's the master. And I think that where it falls apart is they have very differing views on what to do with uh, the the universe at large and perhaps humanity because the master sees the rest of the universe or humanity especially as less than less than equals or pets and the doctor perhaps sees them as uh, friends or people that need to be protected. Yeah, I, I I think I agree, and I think I think that's one of the master strokes. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, <laughs> of 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 I think the last two episodes of season ten with mm. Moffat, where he brings back the Sim Master, right? Um, who I think was been very well established as like the craziest of all the masters, who isn't the Doctor's friend. Um, right. He's in fact he's not the friend of anybody. He is a, a, a an insane destructive force, right. and actually then to have. The the Missy Master, who is a lot more of a kind of Delgado style friend of the Doctor, right. and them play together just just works so well. I think, and mm-hmm. it's what is why it makes those 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 final two episodes, uh, you know, a kind of highlight for mm-hmm. me. And part of that is Bill, who is in the Ace kind of role or the student Leela yep. type role, where she's trying to learn. Or expand her horizons, and like in oxygen, the doctor saying, "This is what we do. We are we're here to help." And the doctor, especially under Moffat's tenure, really doesn't treat his companions, assistants, friends very well. They all wind up in some form of death. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is, I mean, that's kind of Moffaty is in some ways as well, though, isn't it? You know, I mean, that's the way he kind of likes to treat likes to treat his characters. Um, mm. Well, I, I think it would be more RTD. I just wonder if Moffat was boxed into that because of the empty child and the 
everyone lives just this once type writing, then the thought was Moffat couldn't kill off characters. But then he, oh, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, but maybe he seems to be more than many other showrunners to be very responsive to the, his critics, and he tries to uh, circumvent their arguments or prove them wrong with the following series. And I just wonder. I wonder if that was not a response killing off all his companions all the doctor's friends was part of that could be i mean he is he is kind of a prickly character who doesn't respond well to criticism um is stephen moffat in fact the, the way that he responds to criticism is attack writing a riposte to that criticism in the next story exactly yeah mm-hmm. no, i think you're right mm. well it's, it's just a thought i mean i don't i don't know for certain and Amy and Rory are dead to the doctor, but they did have their own whole life. Danny Pink truly is dead. Clara is in her final heartbeat, I guess. So she's walking dead. And as we see her saying goodbye to the doctor in Twice Upon a Time, she would have to be completely dead for that. Right, right. Bill again, a celestial puddle of uh, oil or something like that. And uh, and before that, cyber converted. So... The Moffat years were really hard on the Doctor's companions, and I'm not really sure that any any of them were... Well, that's not true. I think of, of all the companions, I think Amy was the Doctor's friend, but she had a big crush on him going in. Yeah, and I... Uh, which never... It never really... I, I, that never kind of gelled for me, really, I'm afraid. Mainly because, I mean, I've got a vaguely kind of old-fashioned sense of marriage and I do not believe... Because the Doctor's always a self-identification figure of some kind, I mm-hmm. sort of don't believe that the Doctor would insert himself into a pre-existing relationship, especially a relationship that was going to was on a fast track to end up being a married relationship. Right. I don't think the Doctor behaves like that. No, and, um, and he didn't a, deliberately, I think. I think he was inadvertently... Inadvertently, but I think, you know, again, I don't think he... I think he is intelligent enough, and certainly, you know, he's been around the block for thousands of years enough to not be inadvertent about that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That didn't That didn't ring true. That, that, that's not my... That's not what my doctor does. Right. I think it would have been more interesting, honestly, if uh, Matt Smith adventured with Amelia upon the young girl... At be the beginning, great. I think yeah. uh, I think that was a, a interesting dynamic, and the actress Caitlin Blackwood did a really fine job with that role. Yeah. Now, whether or not she could sustain a series, that's another question. But in, she should totally come back. She's probably what well, she's probably like twenty or something now, isn't she? Oh, she must be. She, I no, think I she's know. at university now. To be honest, yeah, she she should come back. It's 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 the young pond become old. <laughs> <laughs> There yeah. is no true beauty without decay. Mm. <laughs> or something. The so. Young Pond. Return of the Pond. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, not getting any returns this upcoming season 11. Yeah. Well, as we understand. Mm. Well, we'll talk about that when we delve into the trailers. and Exactly. It's, it's, it's tricky not, <laughs> not to uh, gush over the latest trailers. So I'm just trying to be... Re- Restrained. <laughs> Restrain ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And a new uh, DWM drop today too. So I have to 
pick that oh, up. Oh, yeah. Anyway, we're getting off the subject. <laughs> um, we should be talking about friendship in Doctor Who. Yeah. I had a friendship question, and that was, oh, yes, let's go back to Pertwee. Right. Um, do you think he, I mean, do you think he was friends with the, with the Brigadier? Absolutely. I, mean, like, I think I mean, he had like, a very uh, friendly relationship throughout the Brigadier, and I think, I think it was established in the invasion and with Troughton and then carried right. on and developed with the Brigadier. I think there there's a school of writing where you need this uh, conflict between the main characters. And I think early on that was the tension. It wasn't so much the Doctor and the Silurians or the Doctor in the you know, the ambassadors of death or anything like that. It was the doctor and between the doctor and the brigadier. Right, but then right. once Barry Letts fully took over, that changed. And you saw by the time that we had the uh, Planet of the Spiders where they're going out for an evening of, uh, uh, it seemed like it was a burlesque show, I think was what was heavily suggested or belly, yeah. belly dancing or something like That's that. That's it, belly dancing. That mm-hmm. was it, yes. It was, well, it was well known in the 70s. Belly dancing clubs were just all over Britain. Mm, okay. They weren't. They so. weren't. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do remember that belly dancing was, uh, in, the, in the 60s, a bit of a fad. And there was oh, really? All, in America? In America. Huh. And it was uh, seen huh. as a form of fitness for women and that there's a lot of belly dancing records coming out of Turkey and out of Oh, is that Middle where is that East. where the whole that whole I Dream of Genie thing came from then? Mm, perhaps I hadn't put that together, but maybe that's a, a, a connection of it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, interesting. So, but yeah, so I think that you know what is it the seventy three when Planet of the Spiders was or seventy four? Yeah, something seven, like that. I think seventy four, early seventy four. So it could have certainly uh, came on from that. And I think the other, sorry, I'm, I'm butting in. I think the, the other thing is, 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 again, it becomes kind of patently clear in a kind of weird way, because I don't think this, this happens in real life in the army, that actually, you know, the unit, so Benton and Yates, well, maybe mainly Benton, um, Benton, Yates and the Brigadier are good friends. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't go uh, I that think, far, actually. I, I well, don't. How, how about at the end of the demons, where you know I'd rather have a pint, and they go to the pub. Those are two officers. Is I don't think it crossed down into the enlisted men with Benton. I think there was really. I think yeah, there okay. was more of a separation there. That's true. Yes, it probably is more Yates, and mm-hmm. uh, but I mean Yates is a captain, and. Um, <clears throat> the brigadier is a brigadier. There's quite a lot of difference. There's quite a lot of of distance between them. But they still would Rank be. Wise. I don't know. But it would seem to me that they, you know, they still are gentlemen in the officers' club. While Benton would not have been invited. Though right? he does become a regimental sergeant major. So but that, is that still that's still in highest enlisted rank, right, or an enlisted uh, yeah, rank? Yeah, I mean, you're basically an officer at that point. I think mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're, 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 you're an NCO, a non-commissioned. Yeah. Officer. Well, Yates was always kind of a jerk, and he did pull rank he quite a few times. Kind of a... That's true. He stories. is kind of a jerk. I'm thinking yeah. mostly in uh, Day of the Daleks, with uh, rank has its privileges and exactly that bit. yes. So, yeah. would, how about you? Do you think the Doctor and Brigadier are friends? Or oh, absolutely, yeah, yes, okay. yes. And I think again, a p- part of this is is, is 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 again as as one knows, you know, Nicholas Courtney was a very nice chap that everyone liked. Mm-hmm. Very insecure actor, is from what I've been reading. Very insecure as an actor, which is interesting because I mean he didn't well. I, I mean, I can, <clears throat> I mean, I remember hearing him on the radio, being a radio actor. I really can't remember him being in a lot of other, lot of other TV. Um, but yes, I think he was very insecure. Mm-hmm. 
but it, which is a shame. There is still a great tradition, or maybe not, or maybe less so now, but definitely in the 70s of repertory theater and actors who would be rep, on television yeah. were also on stage. And so just because they may not have an entry in IMDb for a particular period doesn't mean they were out of work. Yeah, and, and obviously, you know, during the 70s and 80s, I wasn't really going to rep theater that much. <laughs> um, so um, I yeah. probably didn't see him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to touch touch back on the relationship between Ian, Barbara, and Hartnell Doctor. Right. And it really did start off adversarial where the Doctor kidnaps or takes them hostage because he can't have anyone know about him and Susan, which uh, certainly would raise eyebrows. But right. um, it's not until the end of the Edge of Destruction two-parter where they start really kind of gelling. And the doctor, I think, if memory serves, it has to apologize to Barbara, you know, because it's very antagonistic in the Daleks before with, you know, right. with, with the doctor sabotaging the TARDIS and the Ian, you know, challenging him on the fluid link. And that's what he had all the Thals fighting the Daleks for so he could get get Mercury back. And so... I see there that perhaps the writers, or maybe David Whitaker, I think, who was script editor at the time, saw that you couldn't continue with this hostage, with this antagonistic situation. And right. so there had to be some kind of cathartic or a moment where things would break and reshape. And I think when it broke in the edge of destruction, that's where that relationship reshaped into perhaps more of a friendly relationship between the doctor and his two adult traveling companions. Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah. It is interesting to see how the show tries periodically to kind of introduce tension and, you know, drama between characters Mm -hmm. into itself and then very quickly realizes that that's really just not going to work because um, these people aren't, aren't going to want to stay together if there is drama or some kind of dramatic right. tension between them. Um, so you get the kind of uncomfortable, not very well working relationships, uh, like Tegan, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, again, you want like, well, they spend the whole, she spends the whole time moaning um, and the doctor spends the whole time trying to get her back to Heathrow Airport. Um, and then she comes back on the TARDIS for reasons that are not really super well explained. Still under contract. <laughs> Still under contract. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Adric, who's like a really kind of irritating character. So, again, they just throw him off a spaceship right. um, to make us feel sad, even though no, no one was actually sad when he died because no one liked him. Well, 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 I didn't. I was thrilled. I was like, mm-hmm. yay, he's dead. Um, so so the Peter Davison, Doctor, did did he have friends on the TARDIS? Do you, I mean, I guess the closest would be... Nyssa. You think so? Yeah, lovely Nyssa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, 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 I think I've said before, I'm so much in love with Nyssa that <laughs> I, I really can't, I really can't, I can't have any word, any bad word said against her. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so in the Big Finish stories, I so think that also friends. continues on in, in that friendship. And I think I Davison think so. has said, he's gone on the record saying that he thought he his doctor worked the best or is most compatible with uh, Nyssa. I think so. Yeah, that makes, that makes, that makes, yeah, because, um, you know, they're both kind of nerdy, nerdy scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, Nyssa's definitely a nerdy scientist um, and the doctor is like an 
an immortal space wizard from the edge of time, right. um, which also means he's a nerdy scientist. Yeah, I guess I would disagree with Davis, and I think he works probably the best with uh, Tegan Javanka. I think his doctor works oh, really? better the, with the more spiky, uh, spiky uh, standoffish relationship. But if we're going to do any kind of pairing, I would you know look what Big Finish did with the sixth doctor with Colin Baker and it, Dr. Evelyn Smythe, and you look at what the pairings of the doctor with, say, Todd and Kinda, and I can't remember the, the character's name, but in The Awakening, he, he's, he's put with another um, woman, oh, what's his uh, face? A woman in her 40s. Right, right. Um, I think that works very well with the, the doctor. And it worked again, I think, fairly well with uh, Matt Smith. You have a younger doctor, and then you have River Song, a woman, you know, in her uh, mid 40s. That's true. Which again, ah, I, I mean, I think there's a vague, I mean, there is kind of some Moffat sexism in there. We're supposed to be kind of amazed that, you know, an older woman, woman in her mid-40s, no longer an older woman to me. Um, <laughs> a young woman. <laughs> a young woman, a young, a young lady, um, you know, an older woman like, wow, whoa, it's amazing. They have some kind of sexual attraction. How could this be so? Mm. Um, which is kind of Moffat-y. Mm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know because I think... Moffat was going to try to cast an older actor of, say, Capaldi, or at least, oh, really? oh, okay. or at least in an actor in the forties, like a Tom Baker uh, oh, okay. type doctor, and that's, I think, why uh, River Song was written as she was, and just Alex Kingston just happened to walk by. But a testament to Matt Smith, Kingston, and Moffat that Moffat didn't, I guess, have River Song regenerate into, you know, a... A, a younger, slinkier version. A younger, slinkier version for, I guess there was Mel for in Let's Kill Hitler. But since the Doctor is so old anyways, he's a, the old man in a young body type portrayal that Matt, Matt Smith did, that he didn't need to recast with River Song. And then you have that pickup of that relationship in the husbands of river song with capaldi doctor where you kind of saw what the dynamic would have been if moffat's original plans had been uh casting goals had been done right. for matt smith right right yeah i know that makes sense mm-hmm. that makes sense the original question that you had can the doctor can this uh, immortal being from all of space and time can she or he have friends that are at least human or human-like? Uh, yes, I think he, he, she can. Okay. And I think he, she wants friends as well. I think he, she is... Lonely. I think they are, they are lonely. Right. And they need companionship. And again, you know, that's been dramatized you know, by, I think, firstly by... RTD, well, you know, the lonely god, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, he needs he needs someone. He needs someone. He needs a companion to keep him grounded and stop him kind right. of going off the rails, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think that's true. But I think there's also, I mean, like like Pertwee, you know, that the, there is a there is a loneliness to him, mm-hmm. to them. And he needs companionship. Right. Um, and the, I think the the pathos of that is that he's, in general, his companions are mortal. And so they must... You know, they die and they get old um, in the same way that he doesn't die mm-hmm. or get old. Or if he does get old, he chooses to be old. Right, I mean. right, right. He holds off the regeneration like exactly. Matt yeah. Smith. Yeah. So do you think we have more coming along this ensemble cast with uh, Graham, Yaz, and Ryan 
more of a return uh, I mean, I than a hope so. I mean, we'd, we'd, I think we'd, we're hoping that, that Chibnall can, and his band of writers can write something that is effective, you know, that these this can be a group of friends running around the universe, saving the universe from various villains. You know, and I think you, you have to sell... You have to sell those people wanting to travel right. um, and wanting to do this job with the doctor. I mean, that's one of the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to sell the adventure. Right. Um, if you push the horror too much, which I think from time to time Doctor Who likes to do, um, then you start to lose the sense of why these people are traveling. Right. Well, I think that's also why it makes a lot of sense where you have companions like Tegan or Victoria who leave just because it's just gotten, it's no longer it's too, fun. It's too It's horrible. no longer fun. Yep. It's no longer fun. It's not fun anymore. Which, and indeed, Tegan was absolutely right when she was describing um, <laughs> uh, Eric Sawood's <laughs> tenure as... As the uh, as the script editor of Doctor Who, yes, it really wasn't a huge amount of fun, right. Eric. Yep, thank you for that. <laughs> thank, thank you, Eric. This is actually not fun. No, some of so, so some of it was good, but certainly Resurrection of the not Resurrection of the Daleks. What's the one um, where she uh, says that? Uh, well, that's where uh, she leaves. So I think it Revelation, was... Revelation of the Daleks. Well, that's Revelation a, that's the Daleks. Uh, Perry. Okay, which which is the one in London Docklands? Resurrection. Res- that is resurrection. Yes. Okay, so what's the one with 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 tranquil repose? Revelation. That's revelation. Okay. All right. Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> Curse on the say word for having the R's of the R's. Exactly. R- R- R's of the D's. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's 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 remember a Doctor Who episode like a pirate day. R R. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I didn't like that one at all. So I think, I guess, our feeling, or I'm just summarize that Doctor gets companionship, and that's why we call them companions for the upteen he time. Because he's companionship, and I think... She's compa- alone. She's, she's lonely. She's lonely, and I think companion is a fine word. I, I, a friend is also a good word, but I think companion is what, is what they're seeking. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're really looking for a friend. They're looking for a companion, and I think, you know, some... Again, I, but I suppose some of the pathos comes when that companion becomes your friend. Right. You know, so it's like, I don't know, all those endless movies they make about Queen Victoria and her, you know, her Scottish friend and then the Indian one and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, you know. The pathos in those movies, which are awfully mawkish, um, is when, you know, the companion of the Queen becomes the Queen's friend, right. et, cetera, et cetera, Well, I kind of see it as a, a solo backpacker with a Eurail pass or something like that going traveling on his or her own and then uh, she meets people and perhaps one of the traveling companions uh, has an extended run and they form some kind of friendship but eventually they split and go their separate ways because one's going to Berlin or one's going to Barcelona. Right, right. It's like this brief convergence where you travel in companionship and a friendship develops, but then you part. And I think it's a little weird of our two modern showrunners so far with RTD and Moffat not being able to imagine why anyone would ever want to leave the doctor. Right. It's, it's sort of like, well, you have your dream job of running Doctor Who. Why would you ever want to leave the show? Right. <laughs> <laughs> is the only way you want to leave the show is through death? You know, of course. No, you want to do other things with your life. It's exciting. It's your dream job. But once your dream is fulfilled, there are other dreams and other goals. Yeah. 
Yeah, which which I think you know I think in some ways that your Martha worked quite well for that because she did say okay I, I you know I'm, yeah uh, a lot she, of respect wanted... for Freema Ashman's portrayal of Martha there sort of like this isn't yeah I'm not wasting my time anymore on you <laughs> yeah exactly you know you don't fancy me I fancy you you don't fancy me you know we've had some good times with those cats from space <laughs> but I'm I'm now going to be a doctor somewhere else yep yeah yeah good honor like Martha. Yeah, underappreciated companion, I think, of the RTD Definitely era. underappreciated companion, definitely. I would I would thoroughly concur with that analysis. So, any well, final thoughts? Um, I think no, I think you've summarized you've summarized well. Okay. Um, uh, and I think we've I think we've we've done a good discussion. Yeah. About friendship. Well, or and, and thereof in Doctor Who, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, Jodie, uh, Jodie Whittaker's Doctor, Jody, um, Jody. meet not Jody only meets, Whittaker. So I'm trying to do Yorkshire <laughs> Jodie, Jodie Whittaker. Anyway, yeah. Uh, that's how, not, how she... not quite Sheffield enough. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> yeah, so how she meets her friends and uh, how they... Are they instant friends or does she... Or do they kind of have to grow into that role? Well, only time will tell. Ooh, yes. Who Ooh, knows? Yes. <laughs> Who knows? It's about time. Only time. Yeah, we could all all of those all, of all those, those cliches who, that are being used for marketing now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, okay. Funny. So. Okay. Thank you for listening to episode eighty nine of the Metabulous Two podcast. I have been discussing friendship with Ben, and I have been discussing companionship with David. Excellent. <laughs> All right. also friendship too I think we have one more show before October 7th which will be our trailer podcast so look yep. forward to that excellent uh, good night bum, everyone bum, good night friends sing together La 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 Friends do things together La 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 Friends laugh together Ha 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 Friends make graphs together La 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 Friends help you when you're in danger Friends are people who are not strangers Friends help you shift into a new place Tell you if you've got food on your face Friends are the ones on whom you can depend He's my friend, he's not my friend Friends are the ones who are there in the end He's my friend, they're not my friend La 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 Friends, friends, friends. Friends, 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 friends. La 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 la. Friends, 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 friends. La 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 la. Friends, la 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 la. Oh, excuse me, my dear. You wouldn't mind a chance being interested in running off into intergalactic space with me to have cosmic adventures, would you? Um, maybe. What would be involved? Well, you'd be my companion, you see. What does that mean? Well, basically, you'd be my friend, my ally, my witty sidekick, and there would be an almost always unconsummated sexual tension between the two of us. Sounds good to me. Where do we start? Come on, follow me! Hey everyone, we're still here. This is a bit of a bonus episode. This is the original version of episode 89 that Ben and I recorded. It's a list-based look at friendship in Doctor Who, looking at the companions in reverse chronological order from Bill through on to Susan. It's on the same subject, but it's a little different take, and so we're putting it out as a bonus. Enjoy. Enjoy.
Hello, hello. Okay, all right. That seems to be working now. Uh, Stephen, this is Clem Fandango. Can you hear me? <laughs> of course I can bloody well hear you, Clem Fandango. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Um, so what is, what is our topic for this evening, David? Well, I'm intrigued by Chris Chibnall's pronouncement that the new doctor, Jodie Whittaker, is not going to have companions, but she's going to have friends. And, it's political correctness gone mad. Uh, perhaps, but it could be uh, signaling just how awkward it is to have a companion. I'm just wondering if with Chibnall, with, it's just more natural that the doctor has friends rather than an assistant, which I always think of the Pertwee era with uh, Joe Grant and Liz Shaw and yeah. companions, which I think even is a little bit earlier. It's kind of archaic. I mean, it has it kind of has a feel of sort of, you know, misread or something. Or, yeah. You know, I don't know, like a, his, my, my, associates. my companion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, you're going on the grand tour and so you have a companion with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Agatha Christie or something. So with that in mind, I thought we could just look at the companions or friends of Doctor Who and see of in the past who who was a friend and who was a companion, I guess. And well, who was an to, assistant as well. Yeah, and just kind of go backwards in time. So starting off with Bill and posing the question, was Bill the Doctor's friend or companion, assistant, or something else? Well, originally, of course, Bill was his pupil, right? Because yes. he was a tutor at Bristol University, wherever the hell he was teaching. Mm-hmm. Um so I think companion would be kind of inappropriate. I would agree with that. And I think she more was a student. I, I think pretty oh. much all the way through yep. she was a student. But he was certainly more trying to teach her more than anything else, I think, in their stories. I'm reminded of that opening scene in Oxygen where the doctor is saying, no, we, we need to stay. This is what we do, Bill. Yeah, and I think, I think in some ways that's reason. I mean, I think you know Bill's arc was ultimately really quite satisfying, but I think in some ways... Um, one of the things that we were sort of hoping, by we, I mean I, was sort of <laughs> hoping that that, uh, that Bill would end up as, as as kind of, you know, what they were, I think, originally planning, spoiler alert for Ace, you know, that um, that Bill oh. would have in some way mm-hmm. be kind of tutored in the ways of time lordery or the ways of, you know, uh, uh, being an intergalactic explorer and mm-hmm. um, would end up being something like that. Yeah, and I think, it didn't happen out quite that way. <laughs> no. Well, so many things that Stephen Moffat writes start out one way and end up another mm-hmm. way, which is fair enough, really. Right. I think that's his trait in writing. I think yeah. that he, he likes the misdirection and, it, yeah. and no no uh, more obvious than uh, on display than in Sherlock. It was all about misdirection. It was all about misdirection. And again, you know, I think, you know, Bill ended up getting mm-hmm. taught what it's like to be an intergalactic explorer quite effectively, i.e. it's really, really dangerous. Right. Um, and you can end up um, in a way that you really didn't plan to end up being. <laughs> being. Right. So, Nardle. Nardle. Um, wow. Nardle's, well, again, not with, hang on. I mean, Nardle started out as like some kind of quasi-jailer, right? No, he didn't. Well, no, okay. No, 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 for no, Missy, no. For Missy, well, of course. Well, I mean, are we, so we're going backwards. So we're doing yes. season 10, Nardle. Okay. Yes, yeah, so a jailer for Missy, but also a kind of valet. Valet, really? Valet for the doctor? You think so? No. It was, a, I think, well, I think there was an impression that I got certainly earlier on that he, uh, he, he had some kind of hold over the doctor that we weren't mm. quite sure what that was. Well, th- I think we find out that that hold is the uh, River Song gave him permission to kick his ass or arse. Right, right. 
But I wouldn't call Nook Nardle a friend, though, mm. would you? I would think more of the assistant more than anything else. Yeah, more of an assistant. But, I mean, mm. we never really found out what Nardle was, did we, really? No, is he's he, always he... been a mystery. Yeah, ma- mainly because I don't think anyone could be bothered to write what he was. <laughs> well, they, he was an uh, accidental companion, almost. Accident- an accidental companion. Well, I think we'll, 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 we'll hear more about those as we, as we hurtle further backwards in time. So we'll chalk him down as an assistant. Let's chalk, let's chalk Nardle up as, a, as, a, as an assistant. So, yeah. and an assistant slash valet, yes. So we had... Gentleman's personal take, gentleman. I'm going to open up a document here and make a list. Do, do, nice, do, a listicle, excellent. Uh, uh, yes, so we can, uh, we'll, we'll post this on our Facebook and then on uh, Twitter here. Yeah, and it will be the world's most fascinating document. <laughs> Where we classify, because Doctor Who, old school it's, Doctor Who oh, fans yeah. are all oh, yeah. about lists and classification. All about classifications. You thought the internet was bad for lists? You should have seen various fanzines in the 80s and 90s. Doctor Who fandom, all about the list. All about, because it's, it's 50 years. You've got to categorize it somehow. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we have Clara. Clara. Is Clara one person, or is she a whole right. bunch of different concepts yeah. that change over time? Well, she's definitely a whole bunch of concepts that change over time. But let's say Clara as a gestalt being, Clara. <laughs> she's a Fendal. <laughs> I think that explains a lot right there. Oh, God, there you go. Here's some fan fiction for you. Clara is actually a Fendal of some kind. Mankind has been used. Yeah, it is. Wow. We've got it. We've got it. We've sold it. What is she? Well, she started... I mean, she's, she's a friend, isn't she, really? But Really? Well, I mean, she's pitched as a friend, but she's not really. She's more just a thing that hangs around in the, in the TARDIS. I, yeah, I kind of feel like she's almost an adversary in many... I mean, she. I'm not sure the Doctor gets much from the Clara relationship. I think Clara is almost a hanger-on and just won't leave. Yeah. Are they, is she supposed to be in love with him? I never really could have understood. I whether. think she had a crush. Well, it was awkward with Matt Smith, but then under Capaldi's time, I think she was just going to trying to be the doctor, and ultimately that was her doom. Yeah. But I think she was trying to, I'm going to stick with, especially after Danny died, yeah. she didn't have much to go on other than with the doctor. Is she a fan? Ooh. I think she might be a fan. Yeah, I think she's a fan who wanted to be the doctor. Yeah, she's always when you're fans, they start out liking something and then they end up like being obsessed by it and then they end up, you know, cosplaying at it and wanting yeah. to actually be the thing. I think she's a fan. Mm-hmm. That would, I would be go my that. that'd yep. be my take. Yeah. Fan. Obsessed fan. One of the Obsessed fans. Fan. <laughs> one of the fans that took it just a little bit too far. Just a little bit too far, yeah. Gave fandom and all the other fans a bad name that yes. Clara. <laughs> It's not as if we have a bad enough name as it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. How, how about Craig? Would you consider Craig a companion? Friend? Friend? Um, uh, hanger on? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, he's hardly hanger on because it's the doctor who hung on to Craig and revisited Craig with, when, yeah, he had, when he was a dad with Stormageddon. Yeah, I mean, he's more, he's more like a world-famous chat show host now, though, isn't he? Mm, yeah, um, he, well, he moved on the other side of the Atlantic. He's, exactly. He's now yeah. America's problem. He's now, thank God, yes, exactly. <laughs> you can, you can, you can, we can, you, we can have him. Um, Craig, ah, you know, I think, I, I think he, I think he might be a friend. Yeah, Craig Owens, doctor's friend. Doctor's friend, yep, yep. And uh, River. <laughs> River Song is 
what is which she's his wife, right? Yeah, well, supposedly. You know. That's that's what Moffat that's that's the stake Moffat wanted to drive into. And as you and I know, David, the best way to sustain a marriage over many years is to become friends with the person that you're married to. That's true, but did they? <laughs> did we really see that? <laughs> um, not really. Uh, she's just a collection of plots, really. Um, it's a cipher of some kind. I don't know. Uh, what a would meme? you call her? A meme. She's like she's a meme. <laughs> she's not an assistant. I think nope. she's her. She's her own force of nature. I think she tries to be the doctor's equal. Yeah. She did. Uh, sacrifice her regenerations for the doctor in which which is nice of her in uh, let's kill Hitler yeah it's tough it would be interesting to see if Chibnall brought her back for uh, being the doctor's wife with Jodie Whittaker that would I think help Mm. help my decision matrix a bit but I would say she's more of a companion in the traditional sense of the word yeah yeah She's, yeah, she travels with the doctor periodically. Yes, mm-hmm. a companion. Mm. Mm. So wife slash companion? Wife slash companion, yep. yep. But uh, not really a friend, I would say. More like a lover. Yeah. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, don't, I, I, I wouldn't say friend. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say friend. I'm going to say companion. All right. Rory Williams. <laughs> Slightly boring attachment to another companion, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wouldn't be there without without Amy, so mm-hmm. you know he's more of an appendage. So another hanger on. I think another hanger on. Okay, so assistant. I mean, we're really our, our pigeon holes. Our pigeon holes are not working very well. <laughs> well, I know, which is which is why New Who causes so much distress to us old school Doctor <laughs> Who fans. It's, well, first off, it's not black and white. Literally, it's, it's, <laughs> it's literally not in black and white. And uh, yeah, there's, it's all confusing. Um, I mean, he's the husband of Amy, and Amy right. is k- kind of, sort of the Doctor's girlfriend-ish. I think Amy started out wanting to be the Doctor's girlfriend, but the Doctor didn't want that, and yeah. redirected Amy back to Rory, who yeah. kind of devoted his life to being something for Amy, he's, everything he's for more, Amy. He's, he's more like Amy's companion, or yeah. So he's yeah, Amy's I would go assistant. with that. Yeah. Amy's, yeah. Amy's companion, Amy's, Amy's friend. Amy's friend, all companion, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think Brian it would be then His dad. <laughs> Rory's friend, yeah, yeah dad, exactly. in-law. Dad. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, so Amy, was Amy a friend? I mean, I think, I think one of the problems, and this is, you know, this is getting kind of meta into it. I mean, I think, as I've said before, I think Moffat has trouble writing human relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he, <laughs> he, I think he wanted... I think the plan was for Amy to be the doctor's friend, but I think mm-hmm. he has trouble with that to make the, make a friendship seem real. Um, so it never really gelled for me. I think we have another case of Amy was the doctor's biggest fan. She yeah. was the girl who waited, and you know, she, another fan, yeah, another fan trying to become a friend. And ultimately, I think towards the end, especially like in, in the lines like the doctor's wife and maybe the power of three right. um, dinosaurs on a spaceship. I think towards the end they were friends, but not at the beginning. I think at the beginning it was definitely fandom turned friendship over the time that she traveled with the doctor. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I'd agree with that. Okay. Yeah. Is that everything from Moffat? All the friends and companions? From I think Moffat, that's all Aaron? the moths. That's all the moths. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're, we'll uh, skip over Danny Pink because uh, 
wasn't really a traveling companion. Yeah. And I, I forget the, the girl's name in the Kill the Moon episode, but I, the student. I was really hoping that she was going to become a companion. I thought she was I, I was. Yeah. I, so, so was I. Oh, yeah, and then with Danny Pink, I mean, he was totally, you know, refrigerated. Refrigerated. You know right. that one? Where they stick the, yeah, the person in the Yeah, they, you know, he was just motivational all the way through, so he wasn't right. really a person. Right. Yeah, again, he's, he's a plot point. He's a plot point, exactly. Mm-hmm. And not a very good one at that. So, slipping into the RTD era then, uh, Wilfred Mott, the, the Doctor's final traveling oh, companion. I think he was a friend. I would agree with that. Yeah, lovely, lovely. I mean, it's, it's so difficult, of course, for a British person to think about Wilfred Mott and also not think about Bernard Cribbins, basically, mm-hmm. who is the nation's friend. Right. So, yeah, definitely friend. Definitely yep. friend. And I think that explains why the Doctor was so traumatized in the end of time there. Yeah. Because it was a friend. If it was anyone else, he would have done the, I'm sorry, I'm so, so sorry. But it yeah. was his friend. My only regret about Wilfred Mott is they never really found a way to bring in the Peter Cushing movies. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps, sometime. perhaps, perhaps. Well, he's, so, he's, he's cracking on a bit. If they want to bring Wilfred Mott back, they better hurry. So would you, would you consider the uh, Gap Year special companions at all anything? I mean, Adelaide Brooke who was the commander of the no, Mars she, no, she's base. A, she's a character. She's not, right. a, she's not a companion. Or uh, Lady Christina. Well, Lady Christina's getting her own adventures now with Big Finish. So um, she might actually be a companion. I just wonder if uh, Michelle Ryan is short on work, if that's why she is doing that well, more than anything. It could be. Yeah. I mean, you know, she was in EastEnders for a while. She can't be, you know. She, I, I, I've no idea what she's talking about. I haven't seen her, in, seen her in, in anything else, but then, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really watch a huge amount of British TV because I don't live in Britain. So, um, right. I don't know. I think another accidental companion, not, uh, yeah. not anyone that traveled very long with the doctor but yep. uh yep. big finish is certainly elevating her <laughs> they are well you know you gotta you gotta go where the where the work is as you point out so yep. yeah so jackson lake the next doctor <sighs> accidental companion again uh-huh yeah i mean he's only in it once astrid well it's kylie minogue so she's gonna have to be the doctor's friend because who doesn't want to be friends with kylie minogue she should be so lucky 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 <laughs> Hmm, okay. Well, I, 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 I sense disagreement in your voice. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I just... <sighs> accidental just companion. Accidental I mean, companion. I mean, she flies off into space. Uh, I, I'm really upset she doesn't come back in some kind of meaningful way. You know, the space adventures of Kylie Minogue. That'd well, great. when... I'd the hell out of that. When her uh, career winds down, she'll do some big finishes too, I so. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be the she'll be, she'll be the 22nd century's Katie Manning. <laughs> well, Iris Wildtime regenerated as Kylie Minogue. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> I am definitely... I will I will be listening, listening the hell out of that when I'm 70 or so. I think that could work. I definitely I that, that could, could work. work. Yeah, she, she started out as an actress. She's a very good actress. She was mm-hmm. in Neighbours for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Captain Jack. Captain Jack. He is a... I want to say friend. Yeah, I think he's a friend. He's kind of a fan, too. So he's a friend turned into a fan, maybe? I mean... Yeah. Well, then he ends up being a giant head, so... Supposedly. Supposedly. I don't I don't even know if RTD thinks that's canonical. Really? Okay. Yeah. I, li- I like the sound of it, actually. You like that? The yeah, face like of bow? Yeah, face above. Uh, yeah, friend. Yeah, so he's a friend. Well, this I think this goes to, to RTD's ability to write human relationships effectively. So, yes, mm-hmm. they have a friendly relationship. 
And do you think that extends on to Dear Old Martha? Ooh, well, Martha it was written very effectively, I think, in some ways, as someone who had a crush on the Doctor. Right. I think where, obviously, as we all know, where it kind of failed is like mm -hmm. RTD couldn't really write his way out of that one. Right. So she kind of got shuffled off sideways, um, which is great disappointment to me because I really like my, um, uh, Freeman. Mm -hmm. Friend, yeah. I mean, friendly. Friend? Yeah, friendly people. Yeah, they ended it friend on friendship. But I think she started out, you know, like you said, the crush, and yeah. uh, she had a lot of, I think, self-respect to say, "Look, this isn't going anywhere. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my time on you anymore." Yeah, because she's because she's an adult, <laughs> exactly. Unlike right. you know, uh, unfortunately, some of the ways that Amy was written, where Amy really wasn't written as adult as an adult right. at all. She was written more as mm -hmm. some kind of weird child. Mm-hmm. So Donna, I would put definitely in the friend camp. Definitely as a friend. And I think where it's interesting is you'll see where people are friends outside of the show, where by all accounts, um, David Tennant and Catherine Tate are excellent friends and hang out mm -hmm. together a lot, which is nice. Yeah. yeah. And they do, they do shows together. And act, yeah. And they act together outside of the Doctor Who spheres. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they hang out and, yeah, they, you know, and, go to each other's parties in Islington. Yeah. And I think that friendship is captured well on screen and off screen. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's good. Yes. No. And, and very nicely written as friends, actually. And it was mm -hmm. kind of refreshing after the whole Rose shenanigans, which, again, I didn't care for hugely to right. have someone who's just like, yeah, this is the Doctor's mate. And, you know, and they, as, as, as Donna, protest like she doesn't want to be his mate but anyway they end right. up as being mates um right. and just do stuff yeah and i think donna's probably the best written friend that the doctors had in the revival you know the new series i would concur i would concur with that so from donna we have uh i guess the uh early rtd companions because we just talked about martha so that yep. would be mickey and rose and yep. jackie i guess uh well again i mean i think I mean, Rose is written as the you know the Doctor's partner, girlfriend. Right. I didn't get the sense that she was a friend under Tennant. I think girlfriend really was the right peg for that with Tennant. Maybe more of a friend with uh, Eccleston? Yeah, friend with Eccleston, girlfriend with Tennant. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree with that. And then I think Jackie's written as the mother of that person. Right. So she's very much like the mother of your girlfriend, which is someone who you know if you get on with them, is great, but there's right. always a slight element of tension there, I think. It's a mother-in-law. Right. She's a mother-in-law mm -hmm. character. You know. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, yeah. It's like a traditional mother-in-law character, yeah. More than Amy was. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> Amy, that's what... Mo it's kind of... It, it's a, not an original comment, but Moffat is always trying to outdo what RTD was doing, so he gives a... Rose and Jackie, and then he has uh, River and Amy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, and, I'm, and, and Mickey, uh, accidental companion, accidental companion. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it's pretty clear that. Yeah, poor Mickey. Uh, I really like the character. He just was never given, I think, a really good, good bit. Maybe other than in the parallel Earth Rise of Cybermen two-parter, and then uh, then then he was playing Ricky. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. You know, they threw a lot of characters in, being concerned they wouldn't have enough characters, and they had too many characters, so one of them had to kind of fall away, and that was basically Mickey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, Noel Clark, I did. I think he did. He go on and do some things with Torchwood, or or that that was that was that just Freema? It was just Freema. I mean, okay. I mean, they could have done more. They could have had more with Noel Clark. I mean, he was mm -hmm. uh, he's a good actor, um, right? I, I think um, mm -hmm. you know, and he's kind of committed to the show, but. 
he, they kind of didn't really find anything really strong to do with him. I think of all, outside of Wilf, all the characters from the RTD era, I think Noel Clark's Mickey would probably be the one I'd most like to see return. Really? Yeah, I, because I he... like that, yes, I agree, I agree, yeah. I'd like to see what he's done, because I really think that the Doctor positively changed his life, maybe not in the way that Mickey would have liked it. Right. But I think through his exposure with the doctor, he became a better person. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of what the doctor should be doing more of, maybe. But yeah. yeah, rather than getting his uh, companions, friends turned into Cybermen. Yeah, which is, yeah, which was <laughs> or- unforgivable. An unforgivable schoolboy error, exactly. <laughs> rookie, yeah. rookie error, rookie mistake. Well, you look at all of, uh, didn't all of uh, Capaldi's companions die in some way? Like uh, Clara died. Yeah, in some way. (laughs) Some way. (laughs) And then Bill died and Nardle was beheaded. (laughs) And It all went horribly, horribly wrong for everybody. And I guess we aren't counting Danny Pink, but uh, I think everyone that, so it's kind of when, the Whitaker doctor says, will you be my new best friends? I hope she doesn't mean... <laughs> will, will you die horribly and also conveniently? Right, to advance the plot. To advance the plot at some point mm. further down the line. Yeah. So Grace, TV movie, Dr. Grace Holloway. God, what is she? Um, accidental companion. Yeah, I would concur. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately for Daphne Ashbrook, the the licensing of her character, she can never return to Big Finish unless they work out rights somehow. So she Which is, is a, a really one-off. Shame. They should, I mean, who, who's got those rights? Who's who's being irritating about that? Is it Fox? Fox or Universal? Yeah, yeah. Another yeah. reason to hate Fox. I mean, she really should have been with uh, Paul McGann at some point in Big Finish, and I yeah. really hope that somehow her character rights can be loosened a little bit, so she can at least do maybe a one or two stories. Yeah, it's, with a real, it's a real shame. It's a real shame because yep. you know I think mm-hmm. there, there was a lot more that could, could be done with that character. Yeah. Yep. So, Ace. Ace. Well, again, this is the whole Pygmalion tutoring thing. You know, the mm-hmm. Doctor was kind of uh, not really her, her her mentor of some kind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were quite they were quite friendly. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they were friends. Hmm. I would disagree. I think. They did have a pretty good friendship bond, but it's a friendship where you have that age discrepancy where uh, I think the doctor always would slip into the teacher role trying to teach his friend something. But I think Ace saw the doctor more as a friend as they traveled together rather than that she was the pupil. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. So, Mel? Mel. What was Mel? Mel. We never saw how they met, so that makes it it's a little hard, difficult. Yeah. And she ditches them for Sabalon Glitz. <laughs> I mean, she does. I mean, uh, uh, she's great in Big Finish. I mean, if we're, we're counting that as yeah, well. Yeah, sure. We probably are. Probably should. Maybe. Well, we probably should. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, they, they, they really do a good job with Mel because mainly she's a really good actress. I think she's a bad script. Um, I, I would have said, I would have said, uh, Companion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see them as pals. No, companion, companion, Mm -hmm. companion. Perry? 
Perry. Oh, goodness. Um, I would say accidental companion. Accidental companion. And she I mean, put I, up a lot of abuse, too. Yeah, and I think this is, I think we've said this before, and we're probably going to say it again. I mean, one of the main problems with, with Perry is that, like, you don't really understand why on earth she's traveling with the doctor. I think her home life was so miserable with. Uh, ooh, the, ooh, Gerald, was it? Gerald? Is it Gerald? Oh, I, I don't think know. So. I don't know. All the, uh, all the, yeah. Her stepfather. All There's, the abuse that she was. Um, yeah, well, and then to. I'll. Well, she was abused across the universe. She was probably the most unfortunate of the doctor's friends, I guess. Yeah, 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 yes. And yeah. that thing mm. came mainly just to the the time that she was in the show and the showrunner, mm-hmm. or showrunner with uh, uh, the editor Sayward, and then just the eighties eighties values and what J and T wanted out of the show. I just and an unfortunate time to be a companion or on Doctor Who. Absolutely, I agree. Even for the lead character, I think. So. Yeah, I think so. I think so. <sighs> Turlo. Turlo, accidental companion. Yep. But after Enlightenment, once Turlo rejected the Black Guardian, those uh, last few episodes, I think the Doctor and Turlo ended um, in friendship. Yeah, no, I think you're right. They did, yeah. So accidental turned friend, perhaps? Accidental companion turned friend, yes. So a little bit of a little bit of arc for Turlo? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I concur with that. And then uh, Tegan. Was Tegan a friend? Yeah, I think she was a friend. Hmm. The doctor is pretty harsh to her, I think, throughout the stories. Yeah, but... Hmm. No, I'm going to go with friend, I'm afraid. I'm going to go with friend. I'm thinking more accidental companion. Accidental companion? Never, never... Maybe, okay. Uh, Definitely with the Tom Baker doctor. Fourth Doctor, accidental companion. Yes. When she re-signs up. literally accidental companion, yeah. Yes. When she re-signs on the TARDIS crew in, uh, what is it, Arc of Infinity? Right, right. Maybe at that point it's more of a, of a friendship. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, yep, all right. The two phases of J- Javanka, the but two, then. The two phases of <laughs> Tegan Javanka, exactly. Mm-hmm. But the then many she... phases of Tegan Javanka. <laughs> But then she uh, leaves, and hmm, it's, it was kind of a rough, rough ending for her too, with leaving at, at the end of Resurrection. Yeah, well, again, you see, I mean, I think you're stuck with a, you know a showrunner that's comprised of of, of John Nathan Turner and um, Eric Sayward. I think it's right. hard for anyone really to mm-hmm. have a proper kind of emotional journey with those two in charge. And I think we got another accidental companion with Nissa of Trarkin. Yes. Kind yes. of thrown in with the doctor and never, but uh, I think th- her friendship, uh, I think, expanded in the Big Finish era. It did, it did, and I, I'm, unfortunately, my my view of Nissa is clouded by my deep love for Sarah Sutton. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to be objective. I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a I think it's a trend uh, generally where. Uh, a lot of times the doctor winds up accidentally with a companion and then through their adventures, um, they become friends. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, mm. is kind of what should happen in a drama, mm. I think. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's kind of the classic series arc where you have, you have this character and then getting to know and then working with the doctor and ending in friendship, hopefully positively in some way. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, if if, pe- if people can be kind of bothered to write that, mm-hmm. which, you know, sometimes, obviously, certainly in the classic series, they're kind of racing so hard to get a story together that right. they can kind of forget that 
that right. there's that and, element to it. And the in the classic series is more story rather than uh, character development. It's yeah. more more of the plot driven. What, what's the what's what's the story of the week or the story of the exactly month? exactly. Adric. Uh, Adric, accidental companion. I don't think yeah. it really gelled with him, did it? I don't think it gelled with uh, Tom Baker. Tom Baker was more. I think he was more of the mentor of anything. I think that's finally what they kind of settled on by yeah. the time we had Legopolis. But then, uh, he, he whatever it was, it was whether it was Waterhouse or the writing or Davison. It just never clicked yeah. in season nineteen. Yeah. So accidental companion, and then uh, dies really for no purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Other than, yeah, a total kind of, yeah, refrigerator style, like, you know, just dies to make us feel sad about him dying. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wasn't there was no point. The doctor already said that the freighter was traveling back in time and this was supposed to happen. And mm-hmm. it just, it was just pointless. Pointless. Yeah. Pointless, pointless. Yeah. Pointless, Sorry. pointless. Yeah. Hmm. R- Romana 2. Romana 2. They were definitely friends, right? <laughs> now, I think there we had a wife, actually. <laughs> well, there's an actual wife, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but def- they w- but definitely friends, but then definitely frenemies in some of the stories. Like, they wouldn't even look at each other during certain scenes in State of Decay. That is true. That's because they were mad at each other in real life. Yes. <laughs> they did not keep it professional on the set. <laughs> no. Well, that's Tom. It's, it's yeah, it's, there's yeah. very little divide between the characters that he plays and his own character. So, so friend, you would say? I would say. You, 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 we're going to have to say friend. We're going to have to say friend. Co-workers? Right? <laughs> <Equals>? Co-workers. <laughs> colleagues. I, I call it colleagues. I'm, okay, colleagues. Let's call them colleagues. Or, well, or friends. Colleague and friends. Friendly colleagues. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Romana won. Mary Tam. Ah, mm. oh, Mary Tam. Also fabulous. Fabulous, fabulous. Lady. yes. Um, I think Accidental Companion, really, right? Thrown together, yeah, by Definitely the w- White together Guardian. Definitely thrown together by the White Guardian, yeah. Yep, Accidental and, Companion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if anything, those were more of the collegial uh, relationship more than Romana 2. Romana 2 is more uh, try-on-girlfriend? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think the character of Romana One was too standoffish to be really friendly with the Doctor. They weren't chums, put it that way. No, they weren't chums. Well, I don't think she, I don't think that character was chums with anyone. She was written as you know as a as a haughty, haughty upper upper class aloof, yes, aloof lady of some kind. Yes. K nine. Oh God, we do we doing K nine? Um, well. He's portrayed by an actor. I I think think he's he's a man's best friend, isn't he, really? He's got to be a friend. I would say a friend, definitely. Yeah. And um, more so probably with John Leeson than uh, Briarly, but I think think it worked. I think think definitely, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's helped smooth over the relationship with Leela. Yes, it was very helpful to have a dog in that relationship, (laughs) as can often be the case, I think. And I would say Leela is probably more companion than anything else. I don't think there's a lot of friendship in that relationship. No, uh, I think definitely companion, yeah. And again, you know, I think originally that was going to be a Pygmalion-style right. relationship, but then no one could be bothered really to write that, so never really right. happened. with the changing of the guard um, with uh, yep. Graham Williams taking over and uh, Bob Holmes leaving, it really kind, kind of, of faded out. away. Yep. Yeah, yep. damp squib on that. Yeah. Uh, 
I guess uh, Harry. Oh, Harry. Uh, definitely a friend. I would say so too. Yeah, I, I mean, God. who could not want to be friends with Harry? Harry's also awesome as well. Right. I think he was friends with Sarah too. He was a super friendly chap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Sarah and Harry, I think that's that's the sweet spot of friendship. I think all three mm-hmm. were friends with each other in the TARDIS and kind of looked looked after each they other. They looked after each other, exactly. They were always looking out for each other, mm-hmm. which is what friends should do. And I don't think Sarah was that friendly with the Pertwee third doctor at all. I think it was more adversarial. Yes. And, and, and what we see in Sarah's arc probably is... As she travels with the Doctor, her uh, horizons expand, and she be- she softens perhaps a little bit and becomes very good friends with the Doctor. I think so. Yeah. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So put her down as friend and ac- fr- uh, accidental companion to friend, that uh, yep. tried and true path that we have. Tried and true path. I mean, it would be interesting to see whether, you know, the new TARDIS gang ha- have that kind of arc for themselves as well. I suspect mm-hmm. they might do. Now, would you consider any of the unit gents companions? Benton, Yates, Brigadier? Well, the Brigadier really is, I mean, I think he becomes someone who's like, you know, a a dear friend of the Doctor. Mm -hmm. Mainly, I think, because, you know, everybody loved Nicholas Courtney so much. And again, I think it was in some way sort of, even though obviously I think as, as his writings say, you know, Nicholas Courtney was in no way kind of military man of some kind. Right. I think his general all-round kind of niceness came through on that character, and um, that niceness made him kind of natural friend material. And I think up until that point, definitely during the Third Doctor era, he definitely was the Doctor's friend more than Joe or Liz. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as as awesome both Liz and Joe Mm -hmm. are, they're assistants. I mean, they're almost actually assistants. Mm-hmm. They were hired as like lab assistants for right. a scientist of some kind. And it's, you know, the, that, that uh, was a very strong theme, certainly the early, the earlier Pertwee's, that, you know, he was a scientist. Right. Um, very much in the same way that uh, Hartnell had often described himself as a scientist. Right. As, as in opposition to it, it's obvious that Patrick Troughton was in no way any kind of scientist. Or yeah, if he was, so, it was a very, very eccentric one. Mm-hmm. I think definitely Liz was the assistant, and with her four stories, she remained the assistant. I mean, she was on friendly terms, obviously, yeah. with Pertwee, but she mysteriously leaves. We never really see that. And then with Joe, there's definitely the friendship. I think the doctor feels a sense of loss, a great sense of loss. Great at the sense end of green loss. death. She does, yes. We're allowed to see the doctor be sad with the departure of a companion that we haven't seen probably until the moping with Rose. I, th- I it, it is. I mean, it's, it's actually that end of, end of Green Death is an extraordinary scene um, and very mm-hmm. subtly played by yes. both Manning and also Pertwee and also mm-hmm. the directors and the writers. You know, it's like, right. you know, obviously there's no kind of, um, kind of sexual love between them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more a kind of, you know, a parent and child sadness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a yeah. other element to it as well. It's very, very, very well done. As much as you respect or like the relationship, the friendship between Tom Baker and Liz Sladen, they didn't get that sadness at the end of their uh, relationship. And it was almost left hanging. And we, we talked about this when we talked about uh, 
face of evil that you almost expected the doctor to return for Liz Sladen for Sarah Jane Smith at the end of uh, Deadly Assassin. Yeah, yeah, it was really, it was like, well, it's the elator kind of thing almost, mm-hmm. um, which is, I, I suppose is why it worked reasonably well to kind of bring her back in the, for the new series, I think. Right, yeah. I mean, they made slightly a, a meal of it. I was a little bit too kind of, uh, e. Um, but um, well, they made Sarah in love with the doctor, or uh, RTD made Sarah in love. Yeah, with which the doctor, was going a bit too far. I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. But I think that was the uh, space that RTD was working with, and yep. RTD's shortcoming, I think, as a, a writer of characters, is he couldn't imagine why uh, anyone would want to leave the doctor. Right, because he himself couldn't imagine why he would mm-hmm. want to leave the doctor. And then I think we have the again the same issue with Moffat, where w- the only way you would leave the Doctor is through death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the only I way mean, he will let you leave is if you die in a horrible way. Because I mean, he kills off Rory and Amy in a way that the Doctor can't see them again. With Clara, in a way that the Doctor can't really see Clara again. And with Bill, she becomes a cyber puddle. So it's yeah, uh, an it's, immortal it, it, cyber puddle. Yeah. Yes. All right, black and white. I guess we have Zoe as our most recent black and white companion. I think Zoe was kind of an assistant, right? I would agree. I think she's uh, super helpful. I think she is the assistant. I think she's the uh, second act girlfriend for Jamie. But uh, I think she's more. You know, they do have in the Crotons, they have the, it's, they're they're almost, the doctor, Troughton doctors almost has kind of a rivalry with Zoe because they're both wickedly intelligent and Zoe has a way of showing up the doctor and she's definitely not in love with the doctor and she isn't beholden to traveling with the doctor. She makes her own friends, which we see in the invasion with Isabel Watkins, who's kind of become Zoe's companion. Right, right. So they're almost almost equals, but not being... One's a Time Lord, so that trumps everything. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, we don't know he's a Time Lord until, until she's yeah, done. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 So assistant, colleague... Colleague. I think colleague's nice. Yeah, let's call mm-hmm. her a colleague, yeah. Victoria. Victoria is... Mm. Award. Award, yes, yes. Like, Protective like, like, custody. Like Robin, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean, again, she's got nowhere else to go. That's what's so sad right. about Victoria. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, parents killed by Daleks. Mm-hmm. She's kind of on her own, basically. Yep. So accidental companion, but sort of yeah. happy... Happy to be that because she's mm-hmm. the doctor's kind of surrogate father figure for her. Yeah. So child ward. Yeah, a ward. Yeah, yeah ward of ward of the court. And then r- the real girlfriend for Jamie. I think that was really set up that way and yeah, yeah, played that well. And I think Jamie definitely is a friend. I think definitely he's a friend. Yep. Really a pal of the doctor and yep. just I think it was more the relationship of Fraser Hines and uh, Pat Troughton. Yep. Than anything anything written. But it, uh, it comes spilled out, over, it comes through, spilled yep. over, yep, yep, yep. So I'm um, so longer, longer serving companion until Clara, until Clara. And I, yeah, my suspicion about Clara is that if that's why he had to stay on. <laughs> Either that or uh, General Lee's Coleman's work didn't pan out that she had planned. I don't yeah, know. she shows she so should have left in that Christmas episode. Mm. Anyway, 
There you go. Ben Jackson, able-bodied seaman, Ben. Able seaman, Ben Jackson. He is a... What is he? Well, he's an accidental companion. Accidental companion, really. But then ends up being a friend because I think the the second doctor is a lot more friendly than the first. Yeah, definitely with Troughton he warms to him. Yeah, but... he's someone who's open to friendship where I mm-hmm. think I think um the Hartnell doctor is not a character that's kind of open to right. having friends. Right, right, right. So yeah, and I guess Polly too would be friendly i mean she acted as his assistant quite a bit troughton at least well that's only well i think as you know they always needed someone to go and make the coffee you know in the moon base Mm, um mm -hmm. you know i mean i think that was sort of you know the dolly bird role in the right you know mid to late 60s but then in the highlander she had her own companion too of christie's so she was in many ways she kind of uh foreshadowed what zoe would be like in some ways she wasn't um, portrayed as super smart, but then she was the assistant for Votan, or the doctor, the scientist who was running Votan. So she had right. this kind of academic science background, right. and you know Zoe was herself a, a supercomputer of some. You know, she that's what she did. A she computer. did com- yeah. computations. Yeah, yeah. So old-fashioned sense of the word. Yeah. yeah. So I think she's more of the assistant, but again, I'm going so much on just what I've read in Target novelizations and then, then in the soundtracks, Annika Will's era is so decimated by the wiping yeah, that it's, it's hard, hard to, hard to yeah. catch what's on screen. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Dodo. Dodo Chaplet. Uh, Dodo Chaplet. Accidental companion. All the way. All the way, yep. She's, yep. The, mm-hmm. she's the, the absolute definition mm-hmm. of accidental companion. And I guess uh, Sarah Kingdom? Uh, Sarah Kingdom's colleague, she's like a, a, a fellow a fellow fighter against evil, right? Right, I guess, but then she kills her brother. So I, I'm always wondering why we consider Sarah Kingdom a companion, that, but not Brett Vian. Well, okay, here's the thing. I don't really consider Sarah Kingdom a companion. I would concur. Yeah. She's I, a character for one story. She's a character in one really, really long story. Mm-hmm. That, that does not we, make her a companion. And we had these arbitrary... Uh, Doctor Who Appreciation Society rules, like if they traveled inside the TARDIS or yeah. across X number of episodes. Nice. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would concur. Not a companion. Not a companion. Striker from the list. Mm-hmm. And I would go the same with Katarina, too. Oh, yeah. It's like, what the hell? I mean, you, you know, they had someone they didn't really know how to write it, so they killed her off. And they killed yep. her off in actually kind of a, a satisfying way, actually. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Better than Adric. A lot better than Adric because it really. Did, I think it was the first. It was the first kind of major killing offness mm-hmm. that happened, and I think it really kind of. Ooh, yes, maybe people can die on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Taylor. Stephen Taylor. I think he's a friend. Definitely a friend, and I think mainly because Peter had... Purvis is such again such a friendly, friendly chap that mm-hmm. you could and imagine think... him not being the Doctor's mm-hmm. friend. Yes, and I think Hartnell had great respect, or the Hartnell Doctor had great respect for Stephen's character, or yeah, Peter his, Purvis's character. his astronaut abilities. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Whatever so they were. Definitely, definitely, I think, a friend, an early friend, and you know, Hartnell didn't have a lot of friends, I no. think, Hartnell Doctor. <laughs> both <laughs> well, both the Hartnell Doctor did not have a lot of friends. Yeah, both, in, <laughs> both in, on TV and also in real life, I imagine, mm-hmm. yes. So, Vicky... <laughs> Oh, Vicky. Um, another ward. Another ward, really. I mean, obviously, she's a Susan stand-in. Like, where's the right. other girl? Um, but, you know, she has nowhere else to go. She has nowhere mm-hmm. else. She got duped mm-hmm. by someone who she thought was her friend. Um, 
quite badly it's actually, cute. actually a predator of some sort. Some kind of horrible predator, in fact. Mm -hmm. Both literally and metaphorically. Yes. So, uh, yeah, she had accidental companion ward mm -hmm. arc, I think, yes. Yep. 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 So, Ian Chesterton. Well, I mean, what can you say about Ian and Barbara? Um, mm -hmm. I, they they were friends. friends themselves, and I think they were the closest that the first Doctor ever had to friends. Mm -hmm. But uh, hostages, accidental companions accidental to companions with. to begin with. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, think, I think he came to really, really... Um, especially Barbara. Yeah, especially, especially Barbara. Barbara. I think Barbara... Uh, held her own and could uh, could stand toe to toe with the Hartnell Doctor and yep. be, uh, uh, if not intellectual equal, a moral equal. Yes. Yeah. The conscience of the Hartnell era. Yes, in a in a really really accurate sense. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I think we end with a ward, Susan oh, Foreman. Another ward, Susan Foreman. Doctor's granddaughter. Doctor's granddaughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, show really needed to get rid of her. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was unfortunate. No, no, I mean it's, like, it's entirely logical choice, to, but it was unfortunate mm -hmm. that she was his granddaughter because mm -hmm. I think that makes things overly complicated, unnecessarily complicated. But you well, can they see were, why they did it. Yeah, they were stuck in a pickle because I think one of the original ideas that she was this uh, star princess or something that the doctor had rescued. And I think uh, someone raised the flag, well, why is this old man tra traveling around with this young girl? That raises questions. So, oh, I know, we'll make her a granddaughter, which also then raises questions. I'm sure it was some, you know, Oxbridge idiot in the, you know, in the upper <laughs> echelons of the BBC who pointed that one out to someone. So was Susan Foreman a good companion, good choice for that first series? I would rather that she that she had been a space princess. I think she would have been better as a space princess. Mm -hmm. I mean, she kind of was a little bit of a space princess because obviously mm. she's from space. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, she's sort of princessy. But, um, yeah, uh, I'm just, yeah. There's a lot of questions around that character and probably rightfully the TV series never brought her back. No, I mean, I think, I, mean, I think she's come back in various big Finnish guises. Mm -hmm. And I think I think she's she said that she'd be willing to come back, but I think oh it's, very much so. yeah Caroline Ford she's, Caroline Ford yeah yeah she, yeah obviously not she, Susan herself because she's a fictional character <laughs> 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 um, but yeah no it, which and I I think it's smart that they never bought, you know the doctors mm -hmm. never traveled to the ruins of you know twenty second century London mm -hmm. and met her as an old or whatever I don't know how that would even any of that would work I guess she she would regenerate wouldn't she and if uh, if yeah. she is if she is a time lord you know we've never well, really that's true that is true never really know you know because the doctor doesn't become a time lord until the war games which is exactly many many adventures since uh, Dalek invasion of earth exactly exactly which I, I just as a sidebar I've just ordered myself the um First volume of Lance Parkins um, about time, yeah. um, or is it called about time? What? Well, no, he's a, a, a history. That's mm -hmm. it, which is is the kind of magnum opus. And the reason that popped in my head is that you know obviously it's a magnum right. opus that um, that lists every Doctor Who story. So again, there is a lot of space now between <laughs> um, right. between the beginning of Susan um, and the Dalek invasion of Earth. Well, well, sorry, the beginning. The beginning of the show and and the doctor becoming a time lord mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of space so from my interpretation i think she is the doctor's granddaughter and i think she is a gallifreyan and i do think she probably regenerates 
I just wonder what what happens on her life. You know, yeah, what happened on to Earth? Her? Yeah, exactly. I agree with you. I agree with all of that. Um, I think she perished in some horrible way. Or some, yeah, some horrible <laughs> the slither got her. Yay, slithers! Excellent. Yeah, <laughs> like a surviving slither, like jumped out and grabbed her. Mm, yeah, yeah. A sad end to a sad season end. Foreman. Well, so what? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So wow. So friendship. So do you think Chibnall is right to be looking at these uh, companions or these new assistants as friends of the doctor, her new best friends? I mean, if he can write it, I think friends works the best, really. And um, Chibnall probably can write it. We hope. We hope. I mean, he's certainly able to write things mm-hmm. and he's able to write reasonably convincing. Certainly after he stopped writing for Torchwood, he's been able to write, you know, reasonably convincing facsimiles of mm-hmm. humans. So, yeah, I think, and I think it's the, I mean, I think the other thing, I couldn't find the quote, but I think I read somewhere that he's also explicitly said that there will be no romantic Yes, he did say of the that these are, these are all friends, they care about each other greatly, they look after each other, but that's no, not, I don't know if he said they hanky-panky, but there's no hanky-panky. I think he no might have hanky said hanky-panky, but I, anyway, mm-hmm. which again is interesting because uh, I think it's interesting that obviously... The tenant doctor, and I think particularly the Smith, Matt Smith doctor, was, was sexualized right. by the writers. And I think it's interesting that when we toggle to a uh, female doctor, the immediate need is to, to desexualize <laughs> them completely. Um, mm-hmm. Which is fine by me, because I, I, I hated the doctor being a sexual being. I don't think he is. Uh, but I think it's interesting that we are kind of uh, nervous of having a female doctor as a sexual being. That seems to be too mm-hmm. dangerous for us, to, for us to handle. So, interesting. Well, she is breaking new ground, so... We don't want to break too perhaps, much new ground. Yeah. It took... How many... It took... We didn't even have a romantic doctor in the first series, unless we want to count the, the doctor in the Aztecs with... Uh, yeah, with what's-the-face. With the Coco. Yeah, the Coco, the Coco lady. <laughs> The infamous Coco scene. Oh dear, that Coco <laughs> scene. Oh, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> like water <Yeah>. chocolate. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I mean, I think that I think that's kind of interesting, and I, I, I mean, I hope they, I hope they know, I hope they know what they're doing. Oh, you gotta, you gotta imagine that they do. And Chimnall's had like two years to yeah, yeah, kind of plot true. this out. And well, no, sorry, I mean, again, why, why I say that? I mean, I've made this point in, in earlier podcast you know again i think it's interesting that you know i like action figures but like the only action figure you can get currently of the new doctor is a barbie sized one right because i don't know anyway yeah reasons because of reasons yes so next week we'll do our traditional look at the trailers and since that'll be fun and then uh, episode one of uh, series 11 drops blimey season 11 drops exciting times exciting times and yes, we and will... it's, it's possible that we might also be joined by my young ward. <laughs> well, that would be delightful. A.K.A. A- yeah. my daughter. If we, if, can get her, if we can get her to, co- to um, commit. Cooperate. <laughs> or at least for the first episode. <laughs> at least for the first episode, exactly. So there's a trailer, mm-hmm. anyway. All um, right. Okay. So that's, that's coming up on the Metabulous 2. So we are off our vacation schedule, off our holiday schedule. We're Back to uh, work. We're plugged into the... Excuse gestalt. me, plugged into the new gestalt of Doctor Who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Felt unshowing. Anyway, yes, exactly all of that. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, well. Thank you for listening to episode 89 of the Metabulous 2. I have been talking with Ben. And I have been talking with David. Have a good evening. Good night.
Thank you.